Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Welcome to church, everyone. Um, yeah, my name is Rowena. It's, so, um, it's such a privilege to stand here and talk to you this morning, especially about a topic uh, that I think is just very important for us to really have a proper understanding of uh, and that is on the obviously you know that we're on week two of our series called warrior warrior as in the warrior spirit like a a fighter who goes into battle not like a warrior who sits at home and worries all the time (laughs) but um last week we talked about uh the warrior, the call of a warrior, in other words, the promise that God's make, God makes to us as warriors. And so today we are actually going to be talking about uh, the praise of a warrior. So in other words, we'll be talking about worship in the way that uh, a warrior worships. And so uh, scripture I want to start off with is Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. And it says here, for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is fully devoted to him. You know, we created this series because we really believe that uh, the season that our church is in right now, God is wanting to awaken and stir up the warrior spirit that he has put inside of each and every one of us here And um, as a leadership, we really can sense that desire is a really timely desire right now. And so um, I really believe that this message is for all of us right now. Uh, God is speaking to you and to me. Uh, as, As mentioned in the scripture that I just read, the eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro. He is looking for men and women who are willing to stand and be used Uh, as a warrior in God's army. Um, And so, you know, this morning I'd like to just challenge us. Let us uh, allow him to awaken and stir up this warrior spirit in us so that we can stand and do everything that he has called us to do. Okay. So everybody just say to your neighbor, wake up. (laughs) Wake up. (laughs) Sorry, sorry pretending that my voice is quiet, so calm down. Uh, And so as Ulu mentioned last week, we are looking into the life of David, and we are wanting to learn all that we can from his great story and the amazing things that God did in his life and through his life. And so according to the dictionary, a warrior is a person who is engaged or experienced in warfare. And so other words, in other words, the thing that makes a warrior a warrior is the thing that they know that they are in a battle. They are either engaged in the battle or they are experienced in battle. And so David, of course, was a mighty warrior. He, he was the man. You know, I think the first time we hear about him putting his warrior skills into action was when he killed Goliath. You know, he was such a mighty warrior that the king, who was also a mighty warrior, 
King Saul, who was a, in the Bible known as, oh, let there be light. Oh. Wow, electricity is quite noisy, eh? Anyway, so the king, King Saul, was actually a mighty warrior himself. He had done a lot of battle, he had a lot of experience, he had won a lot of victories. But he got jealous because people started to recognize the warrior spirit in David. And so, as we heard last week, King Saul went on the manhunt trying to kill David because he was jealous. And so, David went on the run. And because he was such a mighty man who, he was a great leader, hundreds of men followed him. You know, it's kind of hard to be on the run, you know, ducking in and out of shadows when you've got like hundreds of men like going, oh, where are we going, where are we going, you know. But today I wanted to start off um, my message by looking at three men in particular who followed David. And they are, they became quite well known as mighty warriors that he trained up. And they went down in history as some of David's mighty men. Have you guys ever heard that, that phrase, David's mighty men? He had men that he trained up. They started off in debt. I think the Bible describes them as they were in debt, they were distressed, and they were discontented. To me, that's, that spells loser. You know, they were unhappy with their life. They were in debt. They didn't have any money, you know. Uh, they didn't have any aspirations. They didn't have any goals. But all they knew was that they saw something in David, and they, they knew, this guy knows something. I can learn something of this guy. And so they followed him. And so there are three men in particular. I hope they can get the um, PowerPoint running. No pressure, though. There are three men in particular that I want to talk about who have some amazing stories of the things that they accomplished. And the first guy uh, that I want to talk about, his name was Joshebeth. You know, Ulu was doing my PowerPoint and um, he says, what's the first guy's name? And I said, and he goes, how do you spell that? I don't know. Then he looked it up and he goes, wow, it really is Joshebeth. But it says he was also known as, they had AKAs back then too, he was also known as Adino. I like Adino. You guys like Adino? Let's call him Adino. And next to him, so there was Adino, and then next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Ahohite, and next to him was Shama, son of Agi, the Hararite. And so from these three great warriors, who were trained up by the warrior king himself, David, I'd like to quickly talk first about some marks of a warrior that I saw in them. And so Adino, uh, in 2 Samuel 23, verse 8, <coughs> it kind of describes these guys. So it says here, Adino, the Esnite, he was chief of those three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. He had a spear and he killed 800 men in battle in one encounter. Not just in one lifetime, but in one meeting. He just had a spear, that's all he had. 
if I just had a spear and 800 men were attacking me, I think I would say, oh, I've only got a spear, I'm going to run away now. But instead he picked up his spear and he defeated 800 men, 800 of, of the enemy. Oh, whoops. Hello. And so the first mark of a warrior that I have down here is a warrior is willing to do much with little. A warrior can trust that even though he only has a little, when God is in the midst of it, he knows that nothing will be able to stop him if God's with him. You know, this guy was trained up by David, right? All David had was a slingshot and five stones. That's all he had. But he was willing to do much, even though he had little. Why? Because the God that he trusted, he knew who he was. He didn't trust in his own strength, but he trusted in God's strength. You know, warriors, they know their limits, but they know their God. He knew that God was able and he was willing and he was desiring to do great things. You know, a lot of us, we say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, all things are possible. You know, you can do, you can do great things if you just believe. I heard that just the other day, actually, someone was saying that. And I believe that too. You know, I do believe that you can do great things if you just believe. But, you know, a warrior doesn't just believe. A warrior steps out and does something about it. You know, um, when David stepped out to challenge Goliath, there were heaps of guys in that army who probably believed that, yes, all things are possible, even the king himself. But not one of them wanted to step out and do something. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So this guy, Adino, looked at his spear, probably looked at 800 people. 800 people? There's, you can't fit 800 people in this auditorium. You'd probably have 200 people sitting outside in the car park. But he knew that his God was with him. You know, and I believe that as a spirit of a warrior that God is wanting to stir up inside of us, I believe God is wanting us to stop just believing. God wants us to step out and do something about it in the areas that he's called us to. You know, um, probably it was about four or five years ago, Ulu and I got asked to go and play uh, for this conference that they were holding in the city and we weren't leading or anything we were just there to play keyboards for uh, the team that was on and this team was they're very highly skilled very experienced professional level musicians you know and all and I we were at the back right at the back just playing keyboards and it was it's so funny that this happened this morning but it was in one of the more well-known city churches and during worship, there was a conference. People from all over the world were there. And during worship, they started to have some 
technical problems. You know, um, I think one of the mics wasn't working all of a sudden. One of the other mics was cutting in and out. The monitors, um, where you can hear yourself out of and hear whether you're in tune or not, uh, wasn't working. And all of these different things were happening. I don't think that there were any problems with the speakers coming out, but uh, Ulu and I, we were just playing. Uh, and one thing that we really noticed, they had a professional sound crew as well. But one thing that we noticed with this team who were leading worship was that every single one of them kind of didn't really know what to do. And as the, as the session progressed, as the songs progressed, you started to see them like kind of take steps back and start you know, singing quite timidly. And you could see that they felt quite intimidated by the fact that there was so much going wrong and, you know, all these people were there. Um, the people were enjoying themselves from what I could see. But the thing that really interested me was, you know, hands up who was here when we were always uh, having church at Auckland Girls. Anyone around back in those days? Well, if you can remember, <laughs> the gear that we used to see, the worship team's laughing already, the gear that we used to use before we were blessed with this location and this beautiful gear. Uh, it used to play games with us every single Sunday. It was very rare that there was a Sunday where we didn't have pickups or problems with the sound or in the middle of a solo, you know, everyone's worshipping and all of a sudden you hear from, you know, feedback. And so our team was very accustomed to having adventures on stage. And so the funny thing was, you know, Ulu and I, we noticed that 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 happened at that conference that we played at. And then the very next day on Sunday, we went to church at Ags, and of course our million dollar gear sound system, you know, played up and I can't even remember what it was, what went wrong. But I took, I really noticed, and they did it today as well, that our team, when things started going wrong, they all stepped forward and they were saying, come on everybody, God is still God. You know, God is still worthy of our praise. And they, they stepped forward. They didn't shy away, which is, you know, if you ever have to come up here and sing on stage when there's a hundred people looking at you like, it's not that easy, you know. It's quite intimidating. And especially when there's stuff going wrong, all you want to do is run away and hide. But, you know, unfortunately, the exit is there. <laughs> So we can't, we can't do that. But you know, that is the warrior spirit, you know. I mean, those people that we were playing at the conference, they had hundreds of hours of experience. Professionals, people paid them to come and sing and lead worship and things like that. But the warrior spirit doesn't rely on their own strength because they know the God that they serve. They understand that they are in a battle and that there is more at stake than just themselves and their comfort. And so, you know, maybe that was just a, an example of, for my illustration, for the power to not get cut, to be out, outaged. Second guy, Eliezer, verse nine. So the first guy, Adino, was the spear guy. Eliezer, the second guy in verse 9, it says, Next to him, next to Adino, was Eliezer, son of Dodai the Ahohite. 
As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pass for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. So he had, a, he had an army with him. He had troops with him. But when the enemy came, they all ran away. But it says here, he stood his ground. And they only came back to strip the dead. In other words, they only came back when everyone was already dead. And they came to come and collect all of their belongings, all of their valuables. You know, that's kind of blues, eh? The audacity. Anyway, the second mark of a warrior that I noticed through Eleazar, it says here, verse 10, Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. A warrior clings to his sword. Eleazar, he gripped that sword during that battle until his hand was locked around it. Throughout the Bible, we recognize that the sword of the Spirit, you know, when we hear about the word sword in the Bible, it's usually used to represent the Word of God. It's like a symbol of the Word of God. In Ephesians 6, when it talks about the spiritual battle that we're in and the armor that we have, it talks about the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God. So we must grip the word of God so tightly that our hearts are locked around it. You know, not only did he grip onto that sword, but Eliezer, he knew how to use his sword. He was a sword expert. We need to be word experts. We need to get that word of God, his truth into our hearts so deep that when battle comes, it so naturally just comes up, the word of God. When the enemy tries to say, oh, no, 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 you don't have enough money to pay for that debt. Oh, no, 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 your, your marriage, stop working on it, it's too hard. When the enemy tries to come in with those lies, the truth needs to be there, ready to sprout up, so that we can combat those lies from the enemy with God's truth. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The enemy wants to disarm us. He wants to take our weapons from us, but a warrior clings to their sword. A warrior hold on, holds on to God's truth at all costs. Eliezer, the third guy, Shama. Verse 11. Next to Eliezer was Shama, son of Agi the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. Man, they keep running away. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field and he defended it and struck the Philistines down and the Lord brought about a great victory. 
So he was supposed to stand and guard this field. Field of lentils. Who thinks lentils are delicious? One person. Yeah. Hmm. But you know what? That's where he was called. That's where he was called to guard. He was called to stand there and fight for that land. Everyone else ran away. But he stood his ground and he defended the place that he was called to fight. And the Lord brought about a great victory. The third mark of a warrior that I noticed was a warrior is faithful and true. He didn't leave when everyone else ran away. You know, God has called us all to stand in fields of our own. He has called us to stand in our families. He has called us to stand and fight in our workplaces, our schools, our friendships, our relationships. He has called us to stand and fight. But some of us are sleeping. Some of us aren't standing in our field that he has called us to. Maybe we don't see the value of it. This guy, he got a field of lentils. None of us like lentils. <laughs> except for Maria for Matsu. High in fiber and some protein, I suppose. Taste, <clears throat> I don't know. But can you stand alone when everyone else runs away? When everyone else is lowering their standards and compromising, can you keep standing where you're called to stand and not compromise? You know, God is looking for a people who would teach this generation how to stand and fight. You know, uh, when David died in Acts 13, 36, it talks about, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. He had served and led his generation. God is looking for a people. God is looking for warriors who are willing to stand and fight and lead this generation and teach them how to honour God. We need people who will lead and serve this generation. Uh, I want to read you a story that I've always loved. Um, a lot of you may already know it. It's the story of King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. What'd you call me? Someone said. King Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles 20. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Mennonites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So three different nations came to wage war against King Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. So some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. The army is already at Hazazon Tamar. Alarmed? That's funny. He was alarmed. How would you feel if um, three nations' armies were coming to attack you? I think I'd be more than alarmed. Anyway, 
But alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. First thing he did was run to the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. There's so much power when the people of God come together to cry out to God, especially when they are under such a huge attack. Verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no, no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Such a powerful prayer, eh? And all of the men of Judah, with their wives and their children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. That's such a powerful picture, you know. The king, in front of all of the people, he's the one who's supposed to have all the answers, right? He's the one who's supposed to direct the army. What are we going to do? Ask the king. It's his job to know. In front of everyone, even the babies. He just said, I don't know what to do. And he cried out to God in front of all of them. He knew that his strength wasn't strong enough for this enemy. And he cried out to God. And I love how it says, and they just stood there before the Lord. Because, you know, where, where are they going to go? They can't run away because the enemy is coming from all directions. Where else could they go but just stand there and wait for God to move? But as that huge army, as they approached, from all sides, all he could do was lift up his eyes to the Lord and remind himself who his God was. It's easy to forget who your God is when stuff like that is coming at you, right? And as he did that, his perspective changed. Verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, and he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeroel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Man, what an amazing encouragement, right? You know, 
That's what happens, because they were worshipping, right? They were crying out to God. They were remembering who he was. They were reminding themselves who God was. But that's what happens when we worship, you know? When we take our eyes off our situation and we focus on God and who he is, we actually do make room for him to come and speak to us. And we make room for him to move. When you're in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And there's no way that you won't be encouraged. We need to be worshippers. It says here, verse 18, So Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. That must have been such a powerful time of worship, you know? They knew exactly what was at stake. Their kids were standing around them. They knew that these enemies were coming and they could not beat them. Literally, the enemy was marching. Maybe they could have heard them marching. I don't know. With the intention to attack and kill them. But when it looked like they were surrounded by the enemy, when they worshipped, it changed their perspective and they realised that yes, they were surrounded, but they were surrounded by God. Verse 20. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. He put the musicians in the front. In front of probably the big muscly guys who had the weapons, he put the musicians up the front. But it says, they went up the front and they were singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. That's crazy. You know, imagine how they must have felt. You know, um, okay guys, who's the singers? Who's the musicians? Okay, you guys are in the front. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm just part-time, you know. People told me I'm kind of flat most of the time. Maybe I'll just, you know, Imagine how they must have felt, you know, in the front. So you have the front row view of these guys with their weapons marching towards you with the look in their eye. Imagine they're singing what it sounded like. You know, I was just saying to Ulu, you know, I wonder if they were like, give thanks to the Lord. Come on, guys, look a little bit more. Put a little bit of oomph into it. You know, like how Cecilia tells us when we're you know, singing a little bit tired. Come on, guys! Yeah, I wonder if there was anyone like that. Come on! And all you can hear is the shing-shing of the swords, you know, walking. 
But you know, it says, as they sang and praised God, the Lord set ambushes. He set traps. He confused them so that they started to turn and attack each other. You know, imagine, you know, as you're singing, you know, thanks to the, thanks Lord, thanks to the Lord for his love and your own. Hey, hang on. You know, starting to see that God is starting to work. And then, you know, maybe hear some harmonies come in there. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. You know, ow, you know. Take it to the fridge. Getting a little bit, you know, more confidence there, you know. It says, the Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from, from Mount Seir. So, you know, these guys had probably planned their attack, you know. They planned their strategies, but they started to turn on each other. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and they looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, so much treasure, so much valuable stuff that was now theirs that it took three days to collect it all. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakan where they praised the Lord. And this is why it's called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all of the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. You know, God gave those people an amazing victory. Probably the most incredible victory in their history and all they did was worship if we are to awaken that warrior spirit in us and allow god to use us to do amazing things we must be worshipers you know when you're when you're where you're called to be doing what you're called to do it's so easy to get victory. You know, that all they did was sing. And they got, the vic- they got an impossible victory. <coughs> Some of you may say, but I don't know where I'm called. I don't know what I'm called to do right now, you know. Still haven't found that yet. That's okay. Not all of us are there. But wherever you are, whatever, whatever, your, whatever situation you're in, you are called to be a worshipper. Because when we worship, things change. When we worship, the atmosphere changes. When we worship, we change. You may be walking through some really difficult situations at the moment. And I know some of you, and I know some of your situations that you're walking through. And probably when you're in the midst of a battle, the last thing you feel like doing is singing and worshipping and praising God. Just remember that verse 22. When they began singing and giving praise to God, the Lord set ambushes. 
he did it. It's not when they began worrying and having sleepless nights. That's not when God set ambushes. When they were worshipping and praising God, that's when the Lord came and worked on their behalf. I love the scripture, Isaiah 30, verse 31. I think it's so interesting. It says here, The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria with his rod. He will strike them down. Every stroke that the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be to timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. This is another amazing picture. You know, so basically the Lord is saying, I'm going to lay the smack down on the devil. I'm going to smash him so bad with my stick. But my stick is released through your tambourine. That's what it says. Every stroke that the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be to timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle. So in other words, what he's saying is, if you will do what just you can do, you can do that little thing that you can do, which is worship and praise, I will do what I can do. Declaring Jesus as Lord over my situation, then we get to celebrate the victory. The warriors, us, we change the atmosphere, we change our situation through our praise. Your situation does not have the final word. Your problems does not have the, the, the final word. They're not God. Jesus is Lord and he has the final say. You know, um, Ulu and I, we've been serving in worship teams for a long time. And so a lot of the time when we um, go into like church and things, usually the perspective that we see is from there, looking down at people. So all of us, our worship team, we all, you know, talk about it a lot. Our perspective is different to your perspective in that we get to see people walk in on Sunday. We get to see people, sometimes you can tell what kind of week someone has had, just by the way that they walk in. Sometimes you can, you know, notice that some people are maybe limping a little bit in the spirit. You know, maybe things have been hard. You know, maybe some problems, maybe a lot of worries on their mind and things. And we get to see that sometimes. But then when we start to sing, and worship and praise God, a lot of the time we get to also see the breakthrough in watching God's people worship. Sometimes we see when people, people take their eyes off their situation and lift their eyes up to the Lord and give Him praise and give Him honour, we can literally see such a change in the countenance because of that warrior spirit where they didn't give up, they didn't just, oh, problems are still out there when I leave. You know, but they stayed, they stepped forward, and they fought like a warrior. It doesn't make sense 
to put musicians in the front line of a battle. You know, those instruments that are mentioned, you know, timbrels and, what's the other one? Harps. You know, I, I grew up, classical music was my thing, you know. I knew harp players, orchestras, you know. Those people are not the people that you want to be hiding behind in a fight, you know. But that's what God says. Praise is a weapon. I love this scripture. Uh, Isaiah 54 verse 1. You may know it. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your, your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. You know, I always wondered, why is he telling women, you know, back then, for a woman to not be able to have a child was a huge, huge disgrace. But here, the scripture is saying, sing, sing praises, celebrate, you barren women who have never had a baby. I'm like, man, why? That kind of doesn't make sense. But then he says, why? He says, because more are the children of the desolate woman than those of her who has a husband. Why? Because that shout of praise before the pregnancy, the praise that you give before the promise is fulfilled, that is going to bring about the pregnancy. That is going to bring about the promise so rapidly that you will surpass the woman who's been churning all these kids out every, every year. Because worship releases fruitfulness. It's such a powerful weapon. And that brings me to my last mark of a warrior. In that a warrior praises in the battle. A warrior praises before the promise is fulfilled. Anyone can praise God when things are going well, you know, when money is in the bank and you have a clean bill of health and your marriage is going fine and school is going fine and you're passing everything with flying colors, you've got a promotion, you know, anyone can praise God then. But there is power in our praise and in our worship when we lift up our eyes to the Lord in the middle of our struggle and worship Him when we are still waiting for him to show up, when we are still waiting for him to answer our prayers, there is power in that praise. God wants to heal our land. He wants to heal this earth. How's he going to do it? It begins with a worshipping community of warriors who alter the atmosphere over a region so that things can be changed. There's power in that worship. I heard a simple song yesterday, and the chorus simply says, 
This is how I fight my battles. Through worship. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. Not with fancy theological, you know, spiritual fighting moves, you know. There's nothing fancy about it. This is how I fight my battles. Through worship, through praise, through holding on to that sword. 